Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Oh God, we come to you mindful of the love that you have for us mindful of the change that you have called us to be a part of, mindful that you have a word for us. So God, as we take this time as your people to hear your word proclaimed, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, today on this Communion Sunday, we are finishing up our Three Steps series. And this series is about the three steps that we take in our Christian walk. Remember, we started talking about stepping out in faith. When we step out in faith, it's not a, a blind move, but it's, it's, it's stating a, a statement of belief. Who is it that we belong to? Who is it that we believe in? Back in Roman times, when they said Caesar is Lord, they are saying Caesar was the highest power ever. And to challenge that by saying Jesus is Lord, that that makes a different statement. That says, I, I don't longer trust in the powers of the state, but I trust in the power of, of Christ in my life. Once we take that step out, we, we start stepping toward each other in, in an act of, of unity, knowing that we're going to disagree on things and that we're, we're going to have maybe issues with each other, but if we, as the body of Christ, hold on to that truth that Jesus is Lord, we can then step toward unity toward this common goal to share the love and grace of Jesus Christ in a powerful way. But today we conclude by taking this final step, and that final step is stepping into our giftedness, into our our spiritual giftedness, into those things that God has granted us and has given us so that we can live our lives fully into who God has called us to be. I invite you to turn to your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Uh, Charlie did a great job of starting, starting us out to think about that, but let's take a look at these words together from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And if you don't have your Bibles, of course, we'll have the words up on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. So brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world 
but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. Because of the grace that God gave me, I can say to each one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable, since God has measured out a portent of faith to each one of you. We have many parts in one body, but the parts don't all have the same function in the same way. Though there are many of us, we are one body in Christ. And individually, we belong to each other. We have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that has been given to us. If your gift is prophecy, you should prophecy in proportion to your faith. If your gift is service, devote yourself to serving. If your gift is teaching, devote yourself to teaching. If your gift is encouragement, devote yourself to encouraging. The one giving should do it with no strings attached. The leader should lead with passion. And the one showing mercy should be cheerful. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I looked at this scripture, I saw that, that it took the three steps and it combined them all together in one passage. See, when we step out in faith, when, when we take that moment to have this statement of belief that Jesus is our Lord, we are calling for transformation in our lives, that things are not the same as they once were. You may be familiar with uh, the butterfly and how the butterfly moves from the, the caterpillar stage all the way to this beautiful creature that, that takes off and flies away. Growing up, uh, we, we had monarch butterflies all over uh, central Kansas, and, and we would look for that little monarch caterpillar, and we would take a whole bunch of those in and, and grab a whole bunch of milkweed and, and, and watch them as they transformed themselves from this really wormy-looking caterpillar thing into this beautiful flying creature. So we use the word metamorphosis to talk about what is happening here, how, how the caterpillar starts in this little thing and then, then it metamorphosizes, 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 sure, we'll use that word, into the beautiful butterfly. See, God desires that in our lives too. The words transform here in Romans chapter 12 is that metamorphous word. It's used also in the Gospels when Jesus takes the disciples up upon the Mount of Transfiguration. That word transfiguration is that same word. And when Jesus was there in front of the disciples, he was metamorphosized. He, he was changed. His, his appearance was different. And Paul is is calling for that same thing to happen to each one of us. 
Now, Paul's not saying that you need to be all glowy and all that type of stuff, but he says when you become a follower of Christ, your life should be changed. Now, when people look at you now, as a, as a transformed child of God, they should see a different person than before. They should see a life that is filled with love and grace. They should see a life that is different. And as Charlie said in his children's sermon, yeah, sometimes we don't want that. We don't want to give up those things that, that we are used to. We don't want to give up those things because... We're afraid we will lose our identity. But my friends, as followers of Christ, when we are transformed, the identity we now have as, as sons and daughters of God is much better than any identity we could have before that transformation. We set ourselves apart. And one of the ways that we do that is that we set ourselves apart in Christ-likeness. One of my favorite theologians, Dallas Willard, he said that Christ-likeness of the inner being is not merely human attainment. Of course, it is finally a gift of grace. I think the problem that we have as mere humans, is that we try to attain that transformation by ourselves. We try to change who we are instead of allowing God's grace to fully change us. See, when we allow God's grace to change us, then our, our, our mindset starts to change. And then we start to look at ourselves differently. Paul writes later here in chapter 12 that don't look at yourself more highly than you ought to think. Sometimes we like to place ourselves on a higher plane than other people. All you have to do is look at how we have responded this past week to Hurricane Harvey and, and to other events that happened had baseball teams bickering about where games were going to be played. We had people bashing other people because their church wasn't open. We had lines form at gas stations and people on Facebook ridiculing others for getting gas when there was plenty of gas to be there. See, it's something that our human nature kicks in, that we want to make sure that we are here while everyone else is down here. What am I, what, a parable that I, I love to go to is a parable where Jesus is sitting at the synagogue and he sees a sinner, a tax collector, with his head down praying. And a Pharisee walks in and stands in front of the temple and says, Oh God, I am so glad that I am not like that sinner over there. Here I am before you. I'm giving all that I have and I'm just so much better than this person. And then Jesus looked and said that the sinner 
is received by God while the Pharisee is not. But you know, I, I like what we do with that, that parable. We start going, oh God, I am so glad I am not like that Pharisee who, who is t- putting down this sinner. Man, I am so much better. And then I realize that I am putting myself higher than the Pharisee. But in all actuality, I know that I am not. But see, there's a danger to this too. The danger is that we can start looking at ourselves as, as mere pond scum, if you will. We're, we're down there at the bottom just, just trying to, to survive. But that's not what Jesus tells us to do. It, it, in, the, it, in the great commandment, Jesus says in Matthew twenty two thirty nine, 39, love your neighbor as yourself. See, Jesus doesn't say that elevate your neighbor to where you are just so low that, that even God's grace and mercy can, can encompass you or, or, or in, encapsulate you. Jesus is saying, when we love our neighbors as ourselves, we are, are lifting others up. We are allowing them to, to not be better than we are, but we are allowing them to be like we are. So we step out in unity and we step out in this faith to allow all of us to experience God's love and grace in a powerful, transformative way. That leads us to our last step, the step into our spiritual giftedness. Paul reminds us at the end of this passage that we have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that has been given to us. I think I have written in the bulletin that one of my uh, former uh, mentor pastors used to say that each and every person in the congregation has a special gift, and you are placed in that congregation to allow that gift to shine. David Wilson, in his book, God's Grace and Everyday Living, says that the purpose of the gifts God has given us is to provide ministry to one another within the church. And I would contend that it's also to provide ministry outside of the church. It isn't to promote ourselves above one another, but it is to provide the gift that the church and that our community and that our world needs today. See, when we claim whose and whose we we are, then we can use those gifts that God has given us to to share God's love with others. Last year, uh, during our stewardship campaign, which was towards the end of the year, we handed out uh, financial gift cards, but we also handed out uh, ministry cards. And if you look in your bulletins, we have those cards in your bulletin this morning. It's just a way for you to start thinking. How has God called you to use your gifts to further God's kingdom here on earth? 
If you notice, we, we've com combined them and we've used our vision statement to, to divide them up this year, to say this is how we worship together. This is how we serve with heart. This is how we grow in our faith. I invite you to look at those because our church is stronger when we are using the gifts that God has given us to build one another up. And if you look on the back, there's a, thing, there, there's a form for our children to fill out too because God has given them gifts and graces that will help build our church up. That's one of the things that I've noticed and seen hands-on this past year, whether it's my confirmation class, the youth mission trip, those kids who were helping out with vacation Bible school, ways to use your gifts and graces to provide a place where all of us can be lifted up provide a place where we can grow and serve. It's one of the reasons why we did this during Communion Sunday, too, because we have the greatest gift here in front of us, that reminder of God's love and grace here at this table where Jesus gathered with his disciples, and they shared in the breaking of the bread and of the pouring of the cup. See, it is a gift to us to strengthen us, to, to encourage us, to build us up so that we can use the giftedness that God has for us to serve others. Some by prayer, not just this week, but, but as we continue to, to share in this life together, that you move into these three steps. Step out into faith. Claim your identity as one in whom Christ dwells and delights, living in God's unshakable kingdom. Step out into unity. Find ways to work with your brothers and sisters in Christ so that we may strengthen the community around us and use the gifts that God has given us. Use those gifts so that others may see Christ's light shine bright. Let us pray. Dear God, as we move into this time of communion, help us to remember the love and grace that you have for us. Help us to look at our own lives and see how you have gifted us. Maybe it's through teaching. Maybe it's through serving. Maybe it's just by giving encouraging words to one another to understand how you have gifted us. As we share in this table, Lord, help us to share that love with others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.